This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Welcome to episode 160 of the podcast. On this episode, I'm going to bring you a conversation with Mary Colucci. And for those who haven't met Mary Colucci yet, here's what she does. I'm executive director for the Craft Yarn Council. The council is based in Carrollton, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, and I'm based in New York City. Mary is a guest on the show because the Craft Yarn Council is hosting a 30 days of creative ways to stitch away stress. And they're using the hashtag stitch away stress for the month of April to get people thinking about how they can use art and craft to bring some more joy into their lives. And I know for me, my art and craft projects are the way I cope with life. Alas, the name craft sanity of this podcast. This is what this is all about, folks. And I am really happy to see the Craft Yarn Council promoting this in such a big way. So for the whole month of April, you'll be able to head over to the Craft Yarn Council's website and check out the daily updates. They're also going to have some things on Facebook. And I'll have links over at craftsanity.com so you can check things out. On Instagram, their hashtag is Craft Yarn Council. So if you want to tag some photos of what you're doing to minimize stress throughout the month of April. They'd love to see your contributions to the conversation. I must take a moment to pause and thank my Patreon sponsors and acshomeandwork.com for sponsoring the show. Thank you so much to all of you. I love doing this and it's so much easier with your support. Thank you. All right, so let's get on to that interview. So how long have you been the executive director of the Craft Yarn Council? Well, since uh, 1995. Were you with the council before that or did you join them as their director? For many years, I was executive director for the National Needlework Association, which is an allied organization Mm -hmm. of the Craft Yarn Council. But uh, TNNA, that's the acronym for the association, uh, represents not only yarn, but also surface embroidery and a variety of other needle arts. So, um, and then I went out on my own for uh, several years and did some consulting work for Craft Yarn Council. And then it just led to more and more work. And here I am. So, and that's great that you're able to be kind of in the, the, you know, the, one of the busiest cities 
in America. I just actually was there. Had I known we would be doing this interview, I would have tried to maybe snag the interview when I was in town. I was there a couple of weeks ago with my journalism students. I just week. saw that on your yeah, on your, yeah, and that was website. really. I was so tired though. I got I got to mood, and it was. I, I thought I would be like really like blown away and like super excited, and I just kept looking at the fabric and thinking, maybe I could like take a nap over there. You know, I mean, I was so, so tired because I was responsible for the well-being of seven other young adults. Yeah, I need to go back to really fully take in the craft offerings that are going on in New York City because you are living in a very fun place. Well, you know, there's an energy. It's hard to explain to people unless you've visited. And um it, it just walking the streets is is a real trip. Oh, it sure is. It, we we you passed know? a topless woman and a man dressed like a baby. <laughs> and it's just like that was in Times Square, though. That's not you know yeah. that wasn't like the business district. That, that uh, was. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that, and if you were down by the Fashion Institute at all, I, you know I go down. We have a an education program that we we run, and we we have an, a class down at FIT. And I, I just, it's just like, I go down and I think, this is so cool. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you really get a sense of what's happening, um, at, you know, with fashion right. and where these ho- hopefully future designers are going. And it's just a lot of fun. But. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you see some very interesting things coming out of that school. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of different things. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, though, because I feel like there's definitely a lot a lot of artists and also, um, you know, fashion designers, budding fashion designers are really embracing the fiber arts with a lot of gusto right now. And it, there was a period of time where it was considered very dated to be, mm-hmm. you know, bringing your knitting and crocheting into the fashion world, it kind of went through its, you know, I was born in the 70s. So I feel like I was too small to appreciate what was happening <laughs> in the 70s, you know, with the macrame and all this kind of stuff. And now, sure. and now that stuff is coming back and people are, you know, in their 20s are kind of discovering it for themselves. And it's really interesting to see how that's crossing over into fashion full blast once again, because these things do cycle. I'm sure in, in your, as you walk down the street, you're like, yeah, I've seen something like that before. <laughs> you know. And when you walk on Madison Avenue and you see something that must have a price tag of $2,500 and you know, you know, <laughs> one of our designers could probably uh, make it yes. for uh, un- under 150 yeah. and uh, it, it does kind of tickle you. It also, it, you know, as you mentioned, um, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, look how sweet Mary makes little things. And then, <laughs> you know, it was like, you kind of said, oh, gosh, I better, you know, not that I ever stopped doing it. Right. But you kind of put it, it away a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now it's like, hey, you're cool. You can knit with attitude now where knitting used to be seen as this very, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, yeah. this little thing that people did that had nothing else to do with their time. And, and that was so horrible to have that description. And now I think it's finally, I feel like art and craft finally is getting the respect it deserves. Why don't we talk a, a little bit about what you started out doing now, when you were uh, a kid, did you have somebody in your family teach you how to do some of these things or were you kind of self-taught? Well, I, I was self-taught and, and one of the teachers, uh, I, I know always joked with me that she, uh, uh, spent a lot of time undoing what I thought I was doing correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I think knitting was the first thing I did. And then I did some embroidery, you know, real simple cross stitch. And then. Do you remember how old? Oh, I was pretty young. I was pretty young. Probably, you know, seven or eight. Because I I guess my, you know, one of my aunts had given me a couple of magazines or, you know, that I could look at the pictures. And now I'm not saying that I created anything that was. (laughs) It was your inspiration (laughs) board. uh, Yeah. But it was just fun to try to do little things and that's you know how it started so uh, and I find today that um, so many young people uh, also known as the DIY generation really have an appreciation for doing it yourself you know they may enjoy making things that I I wouldn't you know have an interest in but it makes them happy. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, yeah. is feeling good. And all the research the council has done over the years, when you ask people, why do you do it? And relaxation and stress release are there right at the top, but so is creativity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's, you know, the generation coming up now has discovered how satisfying it is to feel a sense of accomplishment and they could be following a kit or a pattern or they could be designing it themselves it doesn't matter that to them it's uh that feeling of accomplishment and creativity and and that's i think that's the nicest thing you can say (laughs) about spending some time on projects and um being able to see something completed, which, you know, in a lot of our lives and our work lives, you don't get to see that from start to finish. It is really nice to be able to look and see like, oh, yeah, you know, I have this blanket half done for a baby shower or whatever's coming up. So it's it's really gratifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, you know, it is a kind of a good segue into the stress awareness campaign that we are embarking on. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, um, over the years, the council has been doing consumer research since the 1990s. And it's always a question we ask, why do you do it? And um, people feel happy (laughs) and they feel creative, but they also always say it, it helps them to relax. It's a stress reliever. And I think... In the past couple of years, we've started, you know, videotaping conversations with knitters and crocheters around the country. And it's fascinating how it's helped them in so many ways. And we have talked to doctors who've said, wow, if I can give my patient, you know, an alternative to drugs, bring it on. You know? So uh, how close are we to having prescribed knitting and crocheting where you get your yeah. little slip and you're sent to a yarn shop instead of the drugstore? Wouldn't that be great? That well, would be awesome. I would, I would basically go to the doctor more often, I think, to get more slips to go get my yarn. Wouldn't that Sign be? Sign me yeah, up. Do you think that the insurance companies would ever write? But the thing is that the yarn's cheaper. There's no way that it's it's more expensive than the drugs. If you take, you know, well, maybe, actually, that's not true. The yarn could be more, depending uh, on how much you buy. A yeah. good point, though, that you raised about price. What 
I think has helped uh, because there has been a tremendous growth in the interest in these crafts mm-hmm. over the past dozen years. I think because the industry has provided this range of price points, if you will, so that you can spend $5 or you can spend $85 for a ball of yarn. And you can have something that you can be very proud of. Right. So, you know, I think that's part of it uh, that has, um, it's so accessible. You don't have to be uh, a million, you know, make a million, uh, nor do you need a lot of investment in in tools. So, um, you know, it has that advantage. Um, Of course, with the growth of the internet, you know, now we're, we, we talk to knitters and crocheters around the world and we've had an opportunity to reconnect with Batson Corkle. I don't know if you've heard of her. She has a website called Stitch Links and she really has been in the forefront for years. And if you look at her website it's, it's phenomenal she did physical and clinical work in the uk and she's based in the uk she worked for the health system so she has introduced knitting and crocheting to um various groups you know in one pain center and uh and she's actually gotten funding from the uk health department i'm Again, we'll have to look up the exact name sure. to do a clinical study about the specific benefits of these, um, you know, crafts for um, pain and stress relief. So it's very, I think it's coming. Uh, the more recognition is coming. But, you know, we don't like to go too heavily into the health issue, though, right. I think. Right, G- given that you're more on the um, the yarn and, and tool side of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> and we have really a um, three, four-minute video where we pull together some of the interviews with people. And it's just fascinating how they, you know, express their feelings about knitting or crocheting. So... Uh, we we just felt that we know that it can help a lot of people, and it's just it it's a portable craft. It's accessible because of the prices price ranges, mm-hmm. and we wanted to just spread the word and uh, see if we couldn't you know get a little more interest out there. So specifically, you're going to be fe- featuring thirty days of creative ways to stitch away stress, and that's the hashtag stitch away stress that you're asking people to use on Instagram and you guys are at craft yarn council is your Instagram handle there. And you also have Facebook um, page uh, where people can, and kind of weigh in on this discussion as well. Have you guys ever done anything like this before? Is this the first time that you're focusing on that um, stitch away stress campaign? Yes, this is, this is absolutely the first time that we've come up with this uh, campaign and it's, it's, pilot for us because, um, you know, we looked at all these interviews and we said, well, let's share the interviews mm-hmm. and, and let's share, <clears throat> you know, the research that we've done and see what people come back to us with. And then, of course, working with um, 
um, Twinkie and having this fun. And it's a relatively easy, I won't say it's, you know, a rank beginner project, but it's relatively easy. It's a fun way if people want to do something. Right. So she decided, Twinkie Chan designed the crocheted lemon pattern. And for those who don't know about Twinkie, um, she'll be on the next interview. I'm going to put your interview out first and then we'll have a Twinkie following up. <laughs> so they'll know all about her um, very soon if they haven't heard of her. And all you have to do is Google Twinkie Chan and you're going to see the most vibrant food-related crocheting you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah, she's terrific <laughs> she's at that. Just, she is a great person for you guys to bring into a project like this because she really does put fun into all of her products. And to have her design that lemon seems like a pretty logical thing for you guys to ask her to do that. And and the whole concept of, you know, taking the lemon and making lemonade. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, the whole point uh, of what we're trying to do. It's, it's you know, taking those perhaps uh, stressful things that we all have in our lives. I don't care what your age is or what your you mm-hmm. know, profession is. <laughs> we got them. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you just keep that image and kind of let the other go and just work away at your little project, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it helps. And so throughout the month, uh, you know, if, if the lemon might not be the, the perfect project for you to work on. You know, there we have a number of different suggestions that uh, some might want to get more involved with the charity, and we're very closely tied to Warm Up America, which is uh, provides um, Afghans and various accessories to people in need, so people can all you know make a seven by nine inch section, and we join it together with other sections to make Afghans that we donate around the country, whether it's to hospitals or Red Cross shelters. How many blankets have you donated over the years? This has been going uh, on for years. Yes, it has. Oh, I'd say well over 700 and I'd say 775,000. Wow. That's a lot. And how many years? When did you start that? Well, it was started in 1992 by Evie Rosen, who uh, lived in Wausau, Wisconsin, and she owned a yarn shop, and um, she couldn't make uh, enough Afghans to help one of the shelters in her community. So she came up with the idea of breaking down the process into individual sections and having others join them together. Mm-hmm. And it got to be so big that um, <laughs> she didn't have room in her shop. Oh, my goodness. And um, so she came to the Craft Journey Council, and we've been supporting the foundation ever since. And uh, it's it's a great charity. So that's just the blankets. We, we've also, you know, uh, distributed caps, infant caps, regular, you know, accessory items, scarves, uh, whatever um, we have a request from maybe it's a Red Cross chapter, maybe it's, you know, from a shelter, whatever they need, we try to ask um, and post at the warmupamerica.org website, you know, what the immediate needs are. And I, I have to say, of course, I'm prejudiced, but <laughs> knitters and crocheters are some, they are the most generous people mm-hmm. with their talent and their time. And uh, they've made it possible. 
to, um, you know, provide these beautiful items for people who really need them. And that's, I mean, that's another thing too, that I think uh, knitters and crocheters, they're process people. They enjoy the act of making whatever it is they're making. And sometimes it, it becomes a necessity too, to, they need to get some of the things out of their house. So is this the whole month of April that you're doing this project then? Yes. That- Every day there'll be, you know, another post and either uh, suggesting ways that people could help relieve stress links to several videos um of course we have as i mentioned the um the charity angle but um we want to engage people we want people to to share what they're doing as well it was actually about a year and a half ago where we said we wanted you know change global health one stitch at a time (laughs) And, and we figured well we could it's something you to aspire to. Oh, yeah, of course. So this is all part of it, you know. Yes. Yeah. We want to spread the fun. And it is fun. That I think, um, you, you know, so often there's this social aspect to our crafts, too, that uh, whether it's online or whether in person, whether you're in a group, it, it really is uh, a lot of fun. And I'm always astonished about how what a wonderful we exchange we have amongst the community online and uh, how much is shared. It's so nice to hear that this is being promoted in a way where people are taking the healing qualities of craft seriously because it's so accessible, as you said, for less than, uh, I'd say probably, wouldn't you agree that less than $10 you can really oh, get definitely. started? You know, Absolutely. You get Absolutely. A, a pair of knitting needles and a, or a crochet hook and a ball of yarn and you're, you're on your way. And, you know, you can get so much yarn for that price. You know, you, uh, you, as I've mentioned earlier, there's such variety in the market now. And there's so many great designs. We always say if you're just starting out, start with something, you know, that's not going to overwhelm you. Right. Uh, uh, like a scarf, maybe. Or you can start by doing one section for Warm Up America just to get yeah, comfortable. Yeah, just a little square. Yeah. And uh, then get excited. I mean, the yarns are so varied and um, beautiful that they do the work for you these days. You don't have to have fancy stitches. Beautiful colored yarn will uh, make you look like a pro. So it's, uh, you know, it's a relatively easy uh, craft to learn. And it's, it's wonderful if you can do it in a group too. Do you have a favorite place that you recommend for people who are just learning how to uh, knit or crochet? Of course, at the Craft Yarn Council website, we have how-to information that, you know, people can download. Uh, but I I really, there are so many wonderful how-to videos now. Um, certainly, of course, I'm prejudiced because I, I think our member companies have some of the the best videos out there. I'm I'm always leery of saying just go to YouTube because some of the oh, <laughs> some yeah. of the videos I mean, yeah some <laughs> of the, the the quality does vary very yes, widely. Yes, it does. What are you guys hoping the outcome is of this month long effort to kind of really get people to tap into that crafting as a as a stress reliever if they haven't already? Well, we hope to get feedback from people. You know, we 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 want to see 
what they're doing. We want them to engage with us. So I, I guess in answer to your question, it's to hopefully make a lot of new friends out there mm-hmm. and, um, you know, continue this campaign. We're not going to stop. This just happens to be a wonderful kind of kickoff. And for you, have you um, met anybody? And I know in these videos, I have not seen the videos yet, and I'm very excited to see the video clips that you've collected. Were you collecting these at trade shows or? Oh, no, no, no. We were, we worked with a videographer. I mean, they went out into communities. Okay. So this is more documentary style then. Yeah. Uh, Oh, excellent. That's really Yeah. So, you know, it, um, it's a range of people, range of ages, range of, you know, some knitters, some crocheters. And it wasn't really about individual knitters or crocheters. It's, again, how they and why they enjoyed or found, um, you know, fulfillment with knitting or crocheting. So it's very, uh, some are very heartfelt and some are just fun. And, you know, we, we also... Um, have a video coming up with a lot of, we interviewed a lot of kids and um, we're finding more and more teachers are, are introducing these skills as part of a program with um, uh, students. Uh, the council has a teaching teen program that it uh, co-sponsors with Joanne Fabrics and Craft Stores. And um, we've sent out, oh, I guess of over 180,000 free yarn kits to oh, wow. junior and senior high school students. So we we get feedback from teachers around the country about um, the benefits of introducing mm-hmm. these techniques to students. You know, it helps them in so many ways, uh, you know, developing motor skills and reading and figuring out, you know, working, using their math uh, skills to develop patterns. And, uh, you know, we tie it in with Warm Up America. So they have a community service aspect to the program as well. So we also uh, will be continuing that work because I think it's so important to uh, give students an opportunity to work with fiber and because it's a skill that they'll have for a lifetime. Well, what else would you like people to know just in general about the Craft Yarn Council? Are there other ways for people to get involved? Do you have any kind of, um, I know you have a certification program we uh, do. for teaching. We do. And mm-hmm. so how does that work? How does your certification program work? Well, basically, it, it's designed for people who have, um, I would qualify it as advanced beginner skills. Mm-hmm. They feel comfortable with basic knitting or crochet techniques. And the program, which is offered both, as an on-site class and and via correspondence is designed to help them improve their skills, but also to talk about and explain how best to teach these skills to others. So, um, you know, we have a, a teacher's manual and we have a technique manual and they are teamed up. Each student is teamed up if they're doing it via correspondence with a master teacher And they have homework assignments, you know, they have to do swatches and lesson plans and it's no, you know, cakewalk. Uh, There's work. And then at 
at certain points they have to have a call. They submit their work and it's reviewed by the teacher and they talk to the teacher via, you know, via phone or Skype or something. And um, they, if they pass, they go on to another level. And um, that's basically the, you know, emphasis of the program is on how to teach others. So if someone does enjoys that aspect of the craft and wants to share it, we really encourage them to look at the certification program. We have a program with Michael's stores now that we match our certified teachers with Michael's stores around the country and in Canada um, so that um, they can share their talents and skills uh, with even more people, you know, through the Michaels classes. And then our students, our our graduates go on to either, you know, they work in a variety of areas, adult education. They may start classes at a local library. It may be just in more informal teaching. Um, Whatever it is, they take what they've learned and share it. And it, so it sounds like for correspondence, it's uh, it looks like it's seventy five dollars per level, uh, mm-hmm. or sixty five if you're a member of a guild. Or, of a guild, um, okay. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to get certified? We generally say we hope it they complete it in a six month period, but uh, you know, I've had people complete it in a month, but I, I sometimes wonder if they have a life because, <laughs> it, well, you know, it's yeah, not, not it's, all of us it, yeah, can it's intense. just. Well, it is. I mean, I'm a slow knitter crocheter, so I, it's not that I can't make up a five inch swatch, but when you, it's not just one (laughs) swatch. Right. So, you know, I think six months is um, a good time frame. Okay. So people, if you have, you know, if you're maybe just able to do a little bit during the week and then most of it on a weekend, it just really depends on your work schedule. And are you saying six months per level? Because there's level Mm -hmm. one and level two for crochet. Yes. And Mm -hmm. two levels for knitting as well. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it, I six, you may get it done a lot faster. You know, if you kind of program, I'll do two swatches tonight. So it sounds like it's kind of a, it's an individual, uh, you go, you go at a pace and obviously if someone's well, taking, yeah, you don't want to take 20 no years of, to do it because then no, it's no point no. In, in really no, starting. No, it's no point right. because uh, you really, your skills build as you right. go along. And the idea is to get out there and teach other people. So you want to try to get that done quickly. Um, so, and then if you, you do have some on-site classes as well, so we do. Uh, they're a little harder uh, to coordinate just because of people's work schedules. Right. But we have a couple uh, coming up um, this spring and summer here in New York City at the Fashion Institute of Technology. Um, so we've had it in conjunction with various consumer shows uh, like the Knit and Crochet Show, which is sponsored by um, TKGA and CGOA, the mm-hmm. Knitting Guild Association and Crochet Guild of America. Uh, and also we've had them uh, in the past at Stitches shows. So we usually try to coordinate it with, um, you know, a, a location where perhaps people might be able to get to easily. 
And is that a, a like an intensive where you're there for a couple of weeks? Oh, or? yeah. Okay. Noel. No, what we do, we, <laughs> we've tailored, it's approximately 15 to 17 hours okay. uh, of classwork. So the ones here in New York would start on Friday night, six to nine, and then go all day Saturday and most of the day on Sunday. Okay. And then do you have homework to complete before you're certified or how does that work? Well, they, they will bring homework to class. What they don't get done, they have to submit to the teacher. And also a big part of our program is with each level, you have to complete 15 hours of student teaching. Okay. And that could be informal, you know, teaching a neighbor or teaching a class in a store. Uh, it could be a variety of things. But we have found that component perhaps is one of the key reasons the program has been successful because I think when you're actually knowing, having learned all of these little tips and techniques, Mm -hmm. then going out and actually working with people, I think makes it even clearer how some people learn so differently, you know, and you have to adjust. You can't always go into a class and think you're going to be able to teach beginner knitters, um, you know, casting on and knit stitch, purl stitch. I think if you've taught anyone, you know, sometimes they can't get past the slip stitch. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. So you have to figure out a way, like how do you adapt and get them to, um, yeah, teaching is, is definitely, uh, different than learning something yourself. And I I almost feel like you, I I know with things I've done and learned, I feel like I don't really quite master something until I try to pass it on to somebody else because that challenges me to really think through what I'm doing. It just brings home all the points that the master's teachers try to convey. You know, it's, it's, uh, you've got to be flexible. Um, people learn, some are visual learners, some are, you know, are not. And, um, you know, you have to go with the flow. And if you're prepared and it doesn't throw you, you're even a better teacher. But you, I think it's a lot of it just comes with experience, you mm-hmm. know. And how many so, teachers do you folks have certified out there? I mean, are there oh, thousands? thousands? Yeah, thousands. And yes. it sounds like it probably helps when people are trying to get a job. In I mean, if they're if someone's listening and really interested in kind of taking their their hobby that they might be doing and turning it into a, a profession or at least a side income getting certified seems to me like it would be a good step in the right direction as far as um, your marketability when you, you go to apply to be a teacher. Absolutely. And we maintain a database. So in the office and, you know, if we get an inquiry from a retailer, for instance, you know, they're opening a store, they need help. We will do, you know, a, zip code search and then contact our our student our graduates and say this is an opportunity you know it's we're not going to do the interview for them but you know we make them aware of opportunities mm-hmm. and um so we try our best to you know promote the program around the country um so that they do have more opportunities but most of our graduates well a great number have definitely seen the value of having that certification and have used it effectively. Thank you for making time for me on the weekend. I okay, really do thank appreciate you. It. A special thanks to Mary for sharing her story on this episode. I really appreciate it. 
I hope all of you want to stitch away the stress in April and every other day of the year. Honestly, I mean, this is a daily practice for me. If you're listening and you maybe haven't learned how to knit or crochet or do some other kind of repetitive stitching or creating, uh, I recommend that you latch on to the nearest crafter or artist you see. Usually these folks tend to be pretty generous people and we like to share our knowledge with others because there's no greater compliment to an artist or crafter than to see somebody else wanting to learn to do what we do. Thank you all for tuning in. I will be back next week with an episode. Let's see, it'll be episode 161 and it will feature Twinkie Chan, the prolific crocheter extraordinaire who makes the cutest food-related accessories and I think we're going to have a great time visiting with her. So... In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week.